0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we continue reading through the book of Psalms with Psalm 15 psalm of david O yahweh who shall sojourn in your tent who shall dwell on your holy hill he who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor nor takes up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a vile person is despised but who honors those who fear yahweh who swears to his own hurt and does not change who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. This is the word of the Lord. As we consider our text today, this is another one of the psalms that has been written by David. As you move through the book, you'll see many of those. So this is in the day of King David, which puts it in the 10th century BC, or maybe just before, as David starts his reign as king in the very late 11th century, 1008 BC. Now, the importance of that, of this being of David, is going to come right away in the first verse. Uh, The question, who shall sojourn in your tent? David does not yet have the Lord's permission, in fact, never gets the Lord's permission to build the temple. David seeks to build a temple for Yahweh, and Yahweh rejects it and says that it'll be David's son, Solomon, who gets to build such a place. So in David's day, the tabernacle is still the house of the Lord. That's, again, relevant here for us. As we look at the text, though, O Yahweh, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? Go ahead and ask that question to your kids. Who can live in the tent with God? in the tabernacle, in the holy house of God? Who can come unto God's holy hill, which is a reference here to Jerusalem, and hope to reign with him there, even just live with him there? Another way to say the question in respect of our children, who gets to live in God's paradise? And ultimately, the answer to that question is us, right? It is the faithful who get to live there in that place. A sojourner is someone who is not a permanent resident, though. A sojourner is one who is a wanderer, a traveler. So, tent fits that because the permanent dwelling place has not yet been set up, although that temple didn't prove to be all that permanent anyway because of Israel's unfaithfulness. But a tent is temporary, and so you sojourn. Who can sojourn in God's tent? In your temporary house, who can live with you there? Who can dwell with you in your holy city, on your holy hill, Jerusalem? David is there, right? David is with the Lord in this. Now, the rest of the psalm seeks to actually answer that question. And it's going to answer it differently than what I just did, so we'll come back to that. Verse 2 is going to set the stage for the rest. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. In other words the one who keeps the commandments and the lord instructed his people again and again throughout the old testament that they would keep his commandments and even told them if they kept his commandments they would live long in the land that he had promised to give to them to their forefathers to abraham to isaac and to jacob they didn't do so well at that which is why he's eventually going to drive them from that land it's why they suffer as much as they do sin has consequence there are opposites in these lists, right? So you're going to get things not to do in verse 3 and the start of verse 4. Uh, so you don't slander with your tongue. That is to speak wrongly of another person to to try to harm another person's reputation. This is the opposite of speaking truth in your heart. If your heart speaks truth, Your tongue will not slander. Because it is what is in the heart that comes out, right? The tongue is an instrument. In this case, the the heart is the the origin of the thought or the word. We might say the mind instead of the heart as we consider such a thing as that. But this is in line then with Genesis chapter 6 where God declared that the intentions Or the formations of the thoughts of the hearts of men were nothing but evil continuously that gets us to the next one which is do no evil to his neighbor that's opposite of verse 2's doing what is right there are many evils that we can do to our neighbor just as there are many ways that we can lie about our neighbor and try to destroy or harm him We can steal from him, we can attack him, we can attempt to make it so that his house falls apart rather than is easy for him to care for. We can seek to drive his family away. There's all sorts of things that we can do. These are evil and ought not to be done. And then three also says, nor takes up a reproach against his friend that's almost like the merging of those other things together Um, to reproach your friend is to to dishonor them it's to disgrace them so again this is speaking ill of them when ought not to and it is going to be an evil done against them instead the eyes of this person who gets to sojourn in the tent of the Lord and dwell on his holy hill, the eyes of this person should see a vile person and want nothing to do with that. To despise them. That's a tough phrase, right? As we think of it as Christians today, we're so ingrained, perhaps, with that that statement that God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And so we see Jesus, and he comes, and he eats with the sinners. He hangs out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. There is a place for this kind of a conversation, though. And it is to know, I guess a a good way to say it is, who's influencing who? The prostitutes were never going to convince Jesus to commit prostitution. The tax collectors were never going to convince Jesus to steal. If a person is tempting us, then we should have nothing to do with that. But in our day-to-day interactions, we are going to interact with sinners. We're going to love them. We're going to serve them. We're going to seek to give Christ to them in whatever way that we can through his word through his good news. But if a person is seeking to harm, to destroy, they are seeking to be evil, interesting how vile is just a respelling of the word evil, then that we should despise. We should not approve of that. We should not say that that's okay. Instead, we show honor to the ones who fear yahweh to the ones who who trust in yahweh who know that god judges and because god judges they see that and they seek to live by his word they seek to be one of these right these people doing verses two through five who get to learn i mean to get to live in the house of yahweh who swears to his own hurt and does not change i could picture that in two different ways This is either a self-sacrificing person. And so we would think then of Christ who came into this creation knowing exactly what he was going to do to save us and rescue us. He came to his own hurt, but he did not change his course. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he, he counted the cost and he knew what the price was, he did not change his course. So blessed is the man who is self-sacrificing. No greater love has one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The words of Jesus to his disciples in John's gospel. But perhaps, perhaps another way to look at verse 4, at least this latter part of it, is that this is a man who has sworn, taken an oath of some sort, and when he realizes that the oath has turned out right badly for him, he doesn't seek to back out of it. So he made a commitment that he was going to, I don't know, he was going to trade you his ox for a couple of your sheep. And then it comes to the point and he realizes that giving up his ox would be harmful to him and that he actually needs the ox more than he needs your sheep because he has promised that ox to you, he does not go back on his word and he keeps it. It's hard to come up with that example. <laughs> I'm not sure how great an example it is, but hopefully you see what I'm saying there. So I'm not sure which way we ought to take this. Um, but this I, either way, it ends up being the not changing phrase that builds upon the character of who this man is. The one that gets to live in God's house, in his tent, dwelling on his holy hill, does not change. Because the Lord our God does not change. Verse 5 gives us a couple more things that this man would not do, more things that would be wicked and evil in the eyes of the Lord to put out his money at interest. And the scriptures actually say this. For example, in Exodus 22, verse 25, or Leviticus chapter 25, verse 36 and 37. It's a challenge for how we live our lives today. The whole banking system, right, um, that we have set up. But here it is. Who does not take a bribe against the innocent? There are many who would argue that's how the judicial system is set up. um, Who believe it is corrupt to its core. The point here, though, is that this, this is wrongful to do so you have two people and one man accuses the other of having stolen I'm going to go back to that ox stolen his ox from him it's not the it's not man A's ox though it was not a stolen ox man B never took anything but when it comes to court and man A slides a couple shekels into your pocket, a couple of pieces of silver, and all of a sudden you say, oh yeah, Yeah, man B stole this ox. That's the picture here. You can come up with examples for your children to talk about it today. Um, Ways to illustrate this, taking a bribe against the innocent. I mean, even siding against your sibling, right, in the household, if you're... A uh, big sibling says that they will give you something in order to say that your little sibling was guilty. Right? Little sister broke the vase. It's not good. We are to stand up for the innocent, not wrong them. That would be slandering. It would not be speaking truth in your heart. He who does these things shall never be moved. Now it's the time to double back and ask our children... Who is the one who does all these things? Can any of us say that we have done all these things? I have not walked blamelessly. I have not always spoken truth in my heart. I have slandered with my tongue. I have done evil things to my neighbor. I have reproached my friends. I, I haven't always seen vile people as, well, vile. Um, and I haven't always honored those who fear yahweh we've done these things each of us as sinners the only one who can check every box on this list is our lord and our savior jesus christ and he shall never be moved he has sat down in the house of god he has sat down on god's holy hill on the throne in jerusalem The throne promised to King David in 2 Samuel 7. He has sat down on his heavenly throne. He shall not be moved from it. He reigns. He reigns today and he reigns tomorrow and he will reign every day for the rest of forever. He shall not be moved. Now, because he has not been moved, because he cannot be moved from this place, from dwelling with the Father forevermore, And because he has promised to you that you get to dwell with him forevermore, you do, right? And that was the start of the text. That's how we began. We get to live in paradise because Jesus said so. Because as the judge, he declares us innocent. And then that allows us to come back through the psalm and to consider it in a new light, to consider it as those who have been made righteous, to consider it as those who have been redeemed. Let us live this way. Let us seek to walk blamelessly. Let us seek to always speak truth. Let us not harm our neighbor. Let us not look to the vile person as though they are good. It gives us a new opportunity here to live our lives in love of the Lord and in love of our neighbor. This is a prayer that we would join ourselves to the life of Christ, that our lives would become like his. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.